Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I hear we've got some competition when it comes to cold opens. Do we? Yeah, apparently uh, in Discovery is they're getting really good at them. In Discovery did a did a did a big uh, high concept intro uh, on their last last episode, which was Liam pretending to ho- ho- pretending to host a naughty free, um, <laughs> I guess marketing exercise with, well. with music. Liam, why do you never put well, funny music on ours? Yeah, yeah. Liam. <laughs> Mate, there's the cold open, you shit. <laughs> <laughs> How's this for cold? <laughs> Listeners to this season two, episode twenty-two of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast. My name is Alice Bell. This is Rock Paper Shotguns PC Gaming Podcast, the only podcast you need, in my opinion. I'm joined this week uh, by Nate Crowley. Hello, Nate. Hello. And James Archer. How are you, James? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. You've been in Greece, haven't you? Yeah, I've been in um, Hania in Crete. Uh, for a wedding, uh, which was lovely. Very nice. Uh, it was my first time going to an Orthodox Christian wedding, um, which was very interesting. The entire ceremony was delivered in, not quite in song, but in a chant, kind of, by the priest. Wow. Um, and he, kept up, he kept up for like 45 minutes. Um, it was a very impressive vocal performance. Uh, he also had a guy stood behind him, um, just in like a polo shirt. Who do these occasional backing vocal interjections? Like really? Yeah, like you know how how sometimes was in rap he part songs, of the ceremony or just a dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, a, he had his own <laughs> microphone. Like you know how sometimes in rap songs they get a guy to just go like, uh, yeah, yeah. After like every second line, it was this guy's job to just not every not every line, but every like five minutes, just do a little like, ah. Uh, was it kind of like, like a Beastie Boys thing? Like, we're really glad that you can relate. Marriage well, is good, but God <laughs> is great. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was, all, it was all in Greek. Oh, shit. How would you rate yeah. it as a party religion if we're going from, like, you know, Plymouth Brethren to Sikhs on a scale of zero to ten? Because uh... that been... Been some Dow weddings, but been some good ones as well. It, it was pretty. It, it was pretty fun. Um, there was a cer- ceremonial, I think, wine drinking. So, like already, you're getting the bride and groom a bit drunk. It sounds um, cool. Was the weather lovely? 
it was. It was um, maybe maybe a bit too lovely uh, to be wearing a three-piece suit as I was. Um, <laughs> and yeah, had to slightly climb a mountain uh, at one point. But no, it was it, it was great. The reception was at the bride's house, which turned out to be a mansion on a mountain next to the coast. <laughs> oh my um, god! Which yeah, I I've, I'm apparently date. I, this is what happens when you like date into the world of high finance. <laughs> you end up being invited to these millionaire weddings. Um, Are you there in your your old Ubisoft event T-shirt? <laughs> Fishing what sits out of a battered top hat. <laughs> I told a checked a checked shirt over the top, you know. Yeah, I just told people I was a technology journalist, um, and that seemed to satisfy them. Well, good play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it was nice. It provided lovely nighttime views over both the sea and of the NATO naval base that Hania apparently has. Oh, so there's a yeah, there's a, there's a warship in the background of some of our wedding photos. <laughs> I'm just picturing this as a level from Red Alert 2 for some reason. <laughs> I do you have I mentioned before that I live opposite like the main naval base for Ireland? No. No. Yeah, it's one of the main because it's this is sort of the the biggest harbor facing, you know, the the main sea <laughs> rather than like looking back at the UK. So there's a, a naval base and um, the new patrol ships uh, a few years ago that were named after like famous Irish writers. <laughs> so like, so like every so often past my house, like the patrol ship William Butler Yeats. <laughs> he would have hated like being past. a warship. <laughs> I know. He would have so hated that. Oh, imagine. What would be really cool though is a battleship with a massive metal version of Brendan Gleeson's face on the front. That would be good, yeah. If I was the Irish Navy, that's what I'd do because no one would mess with that ship. But yeah, no, we've got like the George George Bernard Shaw. <laughs> 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 this, I'm not joking. This is really about guys. The George Bernard Shaw, the Samuel Beckett, and the James Joyce. <laughs> I really, really, really would love to read a high-concept book about those four ships arguing their way through a war. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they're not technical. I mean, they've got like guns and that, but they're patrol vessels. They're quite, quite diddy. They're quite sweet. Okay, uh, I think Yates would have been okay with that. Kill- when they were announced, uh, there was an uproar and like a bunch of authors and writers. Irish authors and writers were like, I am signing my name to an open letter saying if I'd, once I'm dead, I never want a warship named after me, which is a bit like, <laughs> like, just so you know, I'm dumping you. <laughs> <laughs> no one was gonna, babes. If you're killed in action on the James Joyce, do they send your family an extremely sexually explicit letter? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I get a warship named after me 40,000 years in the future. That that would be fitting. <laughs> I'll accept that. Okay, yeah. 40,000 years is a long time. It won't be like a ship then. It will be some kind of few... Maybe it'll be like a crab. <laughs> <laughs> could the be army's just crabs on ropes. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's four guys in a desert with crabs on leashes, and they're called like <laughs> Alice, James, Nate, and Matthew. Because <laughs> we're the only yeah. records at this time that survives. <laughs> well, speaking of surviving records, lads. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh. So this wasn't going to be the main topic. The main topic is going to be, well, I played a game called Guilt, which is coming out as you read, listen to this listener today, it will be out, um, which was a Stardew exclusive. And we're going to talk about that and then talk about games for kids. But um, Nate pointed out that uh, Noclip have done quite a cool thing. Do you want to to lead into this, Nate? Yeah, so <clears throat> I didn't, I don't recall in the story where they acquired them from, um, but there were a vast number of VCR tapes and CDs that were in a van, being loaded into a van, getting ready to go to a landfill. Um, but between them, they contained hundreds of thousands of hours of uh, basically marketing footage, I would say, about games that has otherwise been wiped from the internet. So uh, the 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 guy doing a video on it sort of pulled some from a box at random and had like uh, an interview with Hideo Kojima that was shortly thereafter like wiped from record online and um, like an HD version of I think it was like 2013's E3 um, a preview of Knights of the Old Republic from before the game had mm. even been announced like all this really you know, I say uh, when I say it's marketing footage, I just mean it's all to do with promotional stuff, one way or another. But there's a lot of stuff in there which is the only remaining footage of its kind. Um, and yeah, like I said, maybe Alice, you knew where they got it from, but they're now in the process of digitizing it all. Um, and it, it it's kind of an enormous games history archive just out of nowhere. Yeah, it's kind of it's impressive, isn't it? Yeah, look, treasures they're going to find in there. There, there might be some. You know, quite, quite controversial stuff. There could be some lovely things. What do you think they'll find? Well, they've started uploading some of it, haven't they? They've put the aforementioned um, Kotor uh, interviewee thing online, which is uh, kind of lovely. It's like from 2000 and something, I think, and it's very understated compared with how stuff goes today, you know? Like a lot of the time now, especially with um, how in the rise of influencers, like when you go to a press briefing, you'll be, it'll be like you're a consumer. They'll be like, you know, really, really hyping the game up a lot. And mm. it's not like they're not hyping the game up, but it's just a lot more. Yeah, it's very understated compared to how stuff is now, you know? As Obi Wan himself said, a weapon for a more civilized age. Mmm. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where they got it from, but they've no clue have set up a separate YouTube channel. So you can go and have a look. It's called uh, No Clip. Oh, imagine if I remembered what it was called. It was like No Clip Archive, I think. I will link to it in the show notes. And you can they've gradually, over the last month, have been putting stuff up. It's a real grab bag of different stuff. It's mad. Yeah, I would be fascinated to see how on earth you'd go about organising all that material and... You know, like making value judgments as to 
you know, because first it's just a huge physical task uploading that much material. But yeah, how do you, I mean, we do like a bit of taxonomy here on this podcast, but I, I don't envy them that task. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I have no idea where it came from either because it's such a mix of stuff. Right, because I would understand if it was like all of Sony's stuff or like all the Xbox stuff. Um, like, I don't know, a lot of it seems to be from promotional shows like E3, but yeah, I can't imagine what single source it all came from. It's interesting. Maybe just oh, yeah, a yeah. mad wizard. <laughs> I never know. Uh, did, have, have they said it all came from a single source? It, it could be, um, it could be like a long long-running project to gather this stuff from various like publishers or marketing agencies well you see that was the mysterious thing because they just said it was all in these big boxes about to get chucked away okay and yeah they kind they kind oh, of yeah, dodged yeah. the issue of where it was from and i was like wow okay so who had ah, yeah who had this mysterious collector of? Yeah, it's exciting. It's a, yeah. I mean, it may have been really obvious in the story and we just missed it, but I don't, it, I don't know. There's a mystery there to me, at least. My instinct would be that feels games media-y because we're the ones that get all the stuff from everyone, you know. Like, we, we, mm. we are the ones that go to all their interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff. Do you miss VHS? So that's what, what a question. <laughs> <laughs> what, I think what, I quite liked it. I mean, it has, I guess, like, s- s- some retro appeal, but for that to happen, it needs to be, you know, outmoded. I'm going to apologise, actually. It was probably the most... Like show-stoppingly dull question I should have asked, and I would like to formally rescind it. <laughs> well, no, I, I suppose one, one thing—the one thing that like really blows my mind about the, all this—is that they they were still using tapes up until like two thousand and nine. No, mm. well, I guess they have to have been. Which is, yeah, which is mad to me. Like, when did I? I I I'm not that old, but I, I can't even remember the last time like buying or renting a vhs tape yeah. it would have been probably Me in the either. 90s it's like learning i know i know the last time i bought a vhs tape was in whatever computer exchange or sex or whatever was called at the time in like 2003 i bought vhs of robocop <laughs> which is a fitting way to end end that era really um well i believe the f- because I, I don't know I don't know why I knew this trivia, but I was looking up this trivia, and the last film that came out on VHS was The History of Violence, which I think was 2005? Is that the one where Aragorn shags his missus on the stairs? Yeah, maybe. He punches people and has hand tattoos. Yeah, I, I remember... No, you're th- aren't you thinking of um, Eastern Promise? Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. I just don't remember know. both of those are kind of jumbled together in my mind because everyone was like oh Aragorn's gone gritty <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just without um, his noble beard he sort of looks like that I don't know he's got a very eerie meaty face <laughs> <laughs> he just shouldn't shave 
It, where he, when he's got short hair, his head looks quite rectangular, doesn't it? This is it, yeah. It's got, it's got edges. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I don't miss VHS. I, I miss the mid-era of DVDs where you'd get DVD commentary. I used to love DVD oh, commentary. Oh, yeah. That was solid, yeah. It's so good. Uh, I And I've talked about it before, but I had uh, a copy of 2004's uh, Action Adventure Van Helsing on DVD and I listened to all the DVD commentary and uh, I watched that film because I lived in the middle of nowhere and only had four terrestrial television stations. So I would watch the few DVDs and movies that we had over and over again. And I can now Sherlock Holmes imaginate my way through just watching <laughs> Van Helsing in my head whenever I want Every morning you open palm, slam a DVD into the slot, it's Van Helsing, <laughs> and right there and then you start doing all the moves along with the main character, Frankenstein. I want to live, you bellow. <laughs> that film was amazing. I mean, you laugh, but yeah. And I've continually been raging about the uh, the lack of explanation as to how Dracula's children are conceived and birthed. Um I'm still mad about it over almost 20 years later now. (laughs) It's amazing. I only saw that once, but it really made an impact on me. I remember Dracula doing these incredible sort of turbo flounces is all I can describe it as. It's just amazing. Like, it's such a weird weird way to act. (laughs) He's played by um, Richard Roxburgh, who uh, has never... No performance has ever been remotely similar to any other performance he has ever given. It's really bizarre. Yeah, the man's got range, I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, but like, he he forces the range, it's because he's hurling so hard. <laughs> it wildly in all directions. It's very good though. Um, this sort of ties in with what I what was planning to talk about originally, which was guilt. Um, which was a Stadia exclusive and has now come to other, well, it's come to Steam, basically. Um, it's by Tequila, Tequila Works. Um, it's a sort of stealth survival horror, but for kids. The theme is bullying. It's Alan Wake, but for 13-year-olds. Um, From the, the footage I watched when you sent it round, it kind of... Um it sort of reminded me a tiny bit of Little Nightmares without being completely nightmarish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that in there as well. It's Alan Wakey because you have a torch and you shine it at the shadow monsters and they go, ah. Um, but it, it's it's pretty creepy. But it was, uh, yeah, Stadia exclusive and then Stadia just stopped existing there. <laughs> <laughs> so Stadia was the thing where you would play games through the pipes? Yeah. Yes, I, cloud, be- I believe gaming. so. Yeah, James, can you can you explain Stadia a bit? Ooh, Okay. So Stadia was Google's cloud gaming slash game streaming service. So instead of installing a game on a local PC or a console, you connect your PC, um, or it could be a laptop, or it could even be like a tablet to the internet, and then you play it with essentially the live game footage being streamed to you. Um, by all accounts, it was technically very good in terms of the video quality uh, and the lack of input lag for the controller or the keyboard inputs that you were sending upstream. Um, but yeah, it did shut down in January this year after I think two and a bit years, uh, apparently due to a lack mm. of users. Because um, well, I, yeah. I remember in the like, because I started writing for RPS like a year before the pandemic, so I had like one year of going to events in 2019, 
And I remember being quite baffled about playing whatever the latest Doom was on Stadia and being impressed by, yeah, as you say, like the there was not a lot of lagging and obviously Doom is a very fast-paced game. Mm. Um, and the, I think the problem was I'm quite bad at that sort of fast-paced game because I have the mind of a tortoise. So I didn't really know <laughs> if it was doing well or just <laughs> was sufficient for a chump like me. <laughs> So, 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 just disclosure: uh, I've never used Stadia. Uh, it did not appeal to me when I had a, when I. It does not appeal to me when I have a perfectly capable PC next to my foot. Um, mm. But yeah, by yeah. by all accounts, it is one of. It was like maybe the best one, just strictly in terms of like latency. Um, but yeah, are any of the alternatives still going? Oh yeah, like um, GeForce Now is probably the big one. Um, Amazon have their thing called Amazon Luna. Um, hmm. There's uh, Xbox um, do their, well, Microsoft do their, like, they do they do a premium yeah. version of Game Pass, basically, where you can, um, yeah, uh, stream, like, stream Game Pass games. Um, yeah, I've used it a couple of times. It's a bit rubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you can, you can point to a few different reasons why... Um, Stadia never caught on. Um, so for one, unlike GeForce Now, um, you could not play your existing like Steam or GOG or Epic games that you bought. Um, any Anything that you bought to play on Stadia, you could only play on Stadia. And that was, like, the cost of those games was on top of the basic subscription fee that you paid each month. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, already not looking like a great deal if, you've previous, if you mm. have previously played games on your own PC. Um, second, there just weren't that many games for it. Um, some of the stuff, some like a lot of the big stuff was available on Stadia. You know, your Assassin's Creeds, your Resident Evils were on there, uh, plus a fair amount of indie stuff, uh, which generally formed the Stadia ex- exclusives part of the deal. Um, yeah, so St- Stadia was quite unique in that way because I don't f- believe any of the other big cloud services did exclusives. Um, that was one area where the you probably say the Google money was taking effect, uh, but, <laughs> but, but still, like Stadia only ever had uh, there only ever like a small handful of Stadia exclusives, and besides that, Stadia only ever had like a few hundred games on it, whereas GeForce now has something like one and a half thousand, I think. Um, so yeah, there is. So, so I, I said I'm not into cloud gaming, but there absolutely is a valid number of people who don't want to spend hundreds of pounds on their gaming mm. hardware or on a modern console. And a monthly subscription is, you know, therefore a much more affordable way of just playing games. Uh, but yeah, if you want to get into cloud gaming, why would you choose the one with the least games and the least flexibility? <laughs> yeah, kind of sucks. I suppose as well. I suppose as well. One of the issues is not everyone has good internet like yeah yeah speaking as speaking as someone who uh, moved to semi-rural Ireland <laughs> recently <laughs> uh, until until sort of a couple of months ago that would not have been an option for me we only just got fiber and we had to pay for a man to dig a hole in our wall <laughs> you know yeah to feed you- it in and those people don't have good internet do you think it was a good product that came out at the wrong time, or do you think it was good technology attached to a bad business model? Uh, or, or, probably, or just the answer is yes. 
Yeah, probably more of the latter, I'd say. Um, I don't think... Just like in terms of streaming games, uh, Stadia didn't really do anything, which the others also don't. Um, but yeah, the the like the latency technology was good. Um, so yeah, it's a shame that that wasn't put to maybe put to better use. But you know, the uh, the purely selfish upside of Stadia's demise uh, for us as PC owners is that former Stadia exclusives are now being re-released on Steam. Yeah. Like, like guilt, like that guilt, like that guilt, like game. that guilt, guilt with a Y that annoyed me that it was called guilt with a Y. Just, just spell it properly. <laughs> what, 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 what do you think of guilt with a Y? It's good. It's it's decent. It's um, I think it is a game for you know tweens or you know sort of thirteen year olds, twelve year olds. It's technically non-violent. It's like a baby's first Alan Wake and it will train your child uh, in all the ways of video games. So it will be like, you can move yellow stuff. Um, <laughs> you can, here's a text log, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're like a 35 year old dead eyed survival horror veteran, then it will feel kind of a bit linear and a bit um, easy. Because all the, you know, you have batteries for your torch and stuff like that, but they are scattered liberally around every level, you know, like, yeah. I'm sure I think of an appropriate metaphor. They're just like everywhere. Um, so it's it's not like a difficult game. It's very obviously for kids because cause the metaphor is like bullying is bad. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> if you need to be taught that when you're an adult, it's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it's, it is for kids, but it's good. It's very, it's very polished. the The story kind of has quite a light touch in some ways that adult games do not manage. <laughs> um, in terms of the the setup, because you play a girl called Sally whose sister has gone missing, and you end up in a sort of mirror world of your own town. And the explanation for what the mirror world is and and why it exists, and there's an old man helping you and stuff. Like, all that isn't really said explicitly. It's all in the text notes and things, the text logs. So it's quite a, a sort of cinema sins ding. Um, <laughs> sort of, you know, it's quite well done. But it's I think... good. And yeah, no, it's quite, it's, it's out today, Thursday, as you listen to this. And it's a good one for if you've got like a slightly older kid, I think. It's interesting you talking but... about it sort of teaching video games literacy almost. Because, mm. like, Tally's now at the age where she started to be interested in games, and everything she plays is really aggressively educational, which in some cases is is fine. I think it's fun as well, but sometimes I feel children's games feel they need to be educational in order to exist, but they've got quite a narrow definition of what educational is. And honestly, like... I actually do think at this point it probably does count as valid education to teach a kid mm. like the visual literacy involved in video games is going to be a part of their life. <laughs> like, you can jump on really the white in- ledges. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's really interesting, actually. Yeah. This week, Tally came up to me having made out of... Because she just started using grown-up Lego and she loves it. And she, she'd made a handheld games console with no reference. It was good. It had like paddles oh, wow. on the sides. Like... She's yeah. um we've got a tablet that she uses sometimes to play things on, but she's 
you know, to my knowledge, has never used a handheld game system. Maybe she saw one on something, but she'd done it a screen, and she'd used, you know, the little one stud bricks. Yeah. She was. Mm. She'd used them as pixels to make something which, well, it looked like a complete mess. But when she explained it, it was just about identifiable as Frogger. So somehow she's seen a cartoon or something with someone playing Frogger on a handheld device and made a model of that and was like encouraging me to play Frogger on it. And I just oh, found that's that so fascinating. Cool. It was, you know, it was, there was something really cargo cult energy about it, but at the same time I was very impressed. <laughs> and it was a lovely sort of pastel white and green as well. Really nice colours. nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. It's I it I, I don't know really how to wrap this discussion up. I just but it's a it's a hot button topic right now about digital uh, uh what's the word? You know, the things that we create in a purely digital space can be lost and mm. become lost media. Like the streaming companies are just deleting entire television shows because it's more financially expedient to just delete them. Oh, it's horrible, and, isn't and it? And they're gone forever, you know. Just g- d- gone, never existed, <laughs> you know. And they're not being sold elsewhere. And then you've got, yeah, games, the same can happen to them. Um, if you are playing something on game, you can play something on Game Pass and buy DLC for it and not the base game, you know, and then that might disappear. Tell, I wrote about uh, a little thing about... Um, Tales from the Borderlands today because mm. uh, it's part of our top 100 that will be coming out in a few weeks and I had to like, write a little blurb about it and that didn't exist for ages because Telltale Games closed and then 2K got the license for it so you can buy it again now but for ages you couldn't it yeah. was just a storefront with a video on it yeah so, I mean if you, wanted, if you wanted to take a really like pessimistic stance you could say that even even games that are releasing today or yeah on Steam if Steam ever shuts down, like those those games are gone. Yeah, I suppose what really to sort of bring do attempt to bring it all together. The the worry for me is all of this pushes us into a place where you have to before deciding whether to engage in a piece of media, you kind of have to weigh up the risk that other people also enjoy the media. Um, because not if not mm. enough of them do, it may vanish. Um, like, uh, people often say they're hesitant to get into first seasons of shows now, knowing that they're yeah. likely to get you know annihilated with no warning. And it's kind of the same for games as well. You think, well, you know, are the servers still going to have anyone on them in two years? Um, and that sucks. Making decisions about what you're going to enjoy based on whether you think other people are going to enjoy mm. them. Especially because people today enjoy terrible things. <laughs> people got shite taste. <laughs> just, I don't want to spend my life... I'm becoming a curmudgeon, but I just don't want to have to watch Marvel TV shows for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah, no, I'm Can't with you. Can't do it, man. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, well, let's end on a positive note that Guilt yeah. apparently looks quite good. Um, yes. I really like Wavetail, um, which is another like, former Stadia exclusive. Um, the the quarry by Sooth Massive was reportedly going to be a state exclusive, and then became multi-platform mm. when things started going bad. So, if nothing else, it's it is nice that these games can be 
rescued and are not yes. lost to time or ending up in a box in Daniel Dwyer's house in 15 years' time. <laughs> like like stray dogs in a Californian wildfire, a kindly man with a pickup truck has <laughs> swooped in <laughs> That's to lovely. rescue them. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the digital media we have been consuming this week. <laughs> Have you have you been playing more dinosaurs? Oh, I've been playing more dinosaurs. It's um, I realised last night uh, I was on with a friend, and we were just talking about um, I think Warhammer or something while just flying around as Quetzalcoatluses, and we realised it's actually a really boring game, but it doesn't matter at all because it's <laughs> it, you just enter a, like a bestial state of mind while playing it. It's really. It, it, it's so good for just like grooving in a lower state of consciousness, um, which you know, you know, great dinosaur sim really. Um, I think on having played it now for a couple of weeks, um, I'm really surprised because I'm still just as enthusiastic despite having seen through how thin the actual content of the game is. Because simulation wise, it's 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 very beautiful. The the dinosaurs feel very real. But like for example, to grow your dinosaur, you are doing the least imaginative MMO quests imaginable. Is you're literally picking sticks up off the ground in multiples of seventy, um, <laughs> in order to slightly boost your growth rate. And you know that is it, it, it just bankrupt of imagination. I really hope they're working on that. You know. Um, but it, it's such a testament to how good the basic walking around as some horrific gremlin of the deep past is. <laughs> that it, it, it doesn't matter that this, I know gameplay loop is a complete jargon phrase, but there ain't really one in there. <laughs> um, discovered being a Compsognathus this week. Do you remember the little bitey men from Jurassic Park The Lost World who, who oh, trouble that man's them. lip? Yes. Yeah, so I remember um, them. They eat a child. Yeah, they're really badly. Yeah, um, so I've been being one of those. I found there's. Um, I tell you what is really interesting. I remember in Jurassic Park: The Lost World. I don't know if you remember. They have a conversation with Pete Postlewhite, the the sort of great white hunter character, mm. uh, and he says, "No, all the big dinosaurs be in the middle of the island. That's where we want to go." Um, <laughs> and this game has actually. The, the, the same phenomenon has emerged by chance because p- people who just want beef with other dinosaurs will go to the centre of the map where there's this crater. And it's kind of, imagine like a WWE Royal Rumble event, but it goes on for eternity <laughs> and all the contestants weigh eight tons. It's so good. <laughs> I've just started being a consognathus, going in there and just running around, shouting like a goblin at everything that's bigger than me <laughs> and then running out of the way before I can be annihilated. It's so good. It's literally about... playing a little git. <laughs> I've told you about Luchasaurus before, haven't I, Nate? Oh my goodness, Luchasaurus. No, I don't believe you have, Alice. Luchasaurus is a wrestler who's he's a very tall man and he just dresses and sort of kayfabes as, I guess, either a dinosaur or a man who thinks he's a dinosaur. 
Um, what promotion is he with? He's with AEW. He's a belt holder at AEW at the moment. <laughs> he's great. And he was in, in his real life, he was on um, a series of The American Big Brother and has a history degree. <laughs> <laughs> is that where he discovered about dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I might make I my next like giganotosaurus them. called Luchasaurus. That's wonderful. There you go. Uh, James, what have you been playing apart from being in Greece? <laughs> well, actually, on, on the plane to and from Greece, um, I was playing on my Steam Deck uh, Smushy Come Home, which is a... Uh, it, it was on... Um, it, it was like shadow dropped. Is that the word? It was suddenly released um, during Wholesome Direct the other week. Uh, and it is really wholesome and really chill. It's like um, an exploration platformer. Uh, you play as a tiny sentient mushroom boy uh, who gets inadvertently spirited away by a bird. And you have to make your way home through the forest uh, with jumping and climbing and using a leaf as a hang glider. Um, it's just very, it's just a very chill game, which I appreciate at the moment. I, I like. I'm, it sounds very cute. Yeah, I've, I'm not like burnt out on on games like generally, but I, I have been enjoying like more relaxed stuff at the moment. Um, there's no there's no combat, uh, and the different sections of the forest are all free roaming, so you can just go jumping around and chatting to friendly bug people at your own pace, uh, which, is, <laughs> which, is, which is nice. And also, also all that the nice. all the characters speak like it's in it's all in text, but it's written with this very casual, no full stop style uh, that kind of feels like having a WhatsApp chat with a friend. <laughs> a game written entirely in shit posts. <laughs> which <laughs> no, which 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 again is 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 very wholesome, uh, very likable. Um, yeah, I it don't does really... sound lovely. It's a shame it's not not um, combat oriented though, because they could use that famous Tumblr post to get the best tagline for the game, which is they cannot kill you in any way that matters. <laughs> it's one of my favourite posts of all time. It's fucking poetry. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I've been playing... I've done one of my little tears where I play a lot of um, games from Game Pass. Um, and I played the other night a game called Return to Grace which is a, I suppose you'd call it a walking simulator, but you do, you know, look at stuff and <laughs> interact with things. Um, you play a sort of future archaeologist thousands and thousands of years in the future, and you have come back to the, I suppose, the complex, the the building on a, a moon, an ice moon that houses a really advanced AI called Grace, and Grace when she was on and operating was leading humanity through like a kind of golden age of peace and prosperity and advancement. And then she switched off and because it was thousands and thousands of years ago, nobody knows why Grace stopped working. So you've found where Grace was and have come to figure out what happened and you enter the complex and just sort of, you know, walk around, make your way up to the top and, and see what was going on there and, you know, figure out, why people were going there and what the whole setup was and it, you find out that grace it's a tiny spoiler but it was almost a sort of religious thing where grace was sort of almost a god 
This Patrice sounds like Stegard. really like good sci-fi and very up my alley. Do you reckon I'd I'd like this? I think you'd like it, and I think as well. The, one of the reasons I really enjoyed it was it, it's I I know retro futurism is kind of a bit played out maybe, but it just does look really nice. It's sort of a bit thirties, a bit sixties in its design. There's a lot of turquoise and polished brass and copper and very shiny tiles. It's very very pretty, and you can see how and why stuff was designed in the way it is. And as you're walking around, you have a little watch that has the core parts of Grace who need to be reconstituted into Grace again uh, are talking to you and they're called like control uh, logic and empathy and they're all you know empathy is all like why don't we sit here and you know I think that's a wonderful idea let's just sit and breathe and which of these flowers speaks to you and stuff and logic is is like I'm not going to help you open this lift until you find out what's going on in this bit and control is just an asshole and shouts at you a lot um (laughs) Considering this was the exact narrative gimmick I used in Twice Dead King, I'm well desperate to play this now. <laughs> Has it got nice, it like, in... spacey landscapes? It's not landscapey so much. Because well, you said ice moons, so I was thinking it might have some nice barren, wintry bits. Not so much. It disguise, it, it, there are bits where you track a little bit, but you can't really... It's stormy, so there's not much looking at landscape. There's a payoff at the end, but I won't spoil it. But um, it's... It's maybe about three hours came out in, I want to say May, maybe March. One of the M1s. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it's very good. And it's good to see one of these where like the AI isn't obviously trying to kill you the entire time. Um, so I had fun with it. I thought it was good. There you go. That's lovely. That's what I've been playing yeah. this week. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. James, have you got a hardware section for us this week? Yeah, of sorts. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about okay. two of uh, Alice's favourite things, uh, upscaling technologies <gasps> and Starfield. <Ooh>. So, <laughs> so, yes. so last, last week, um, AMD and Bethesda jointly announced that AMD would be Starfield's, quote, exclusive PC partner, um, if there is such a thing. And overtly, this was mainly announcement that Starfield would support uh, Fidelity FX Super Resolution, or FSR, which is AMD's upscaling system. Uh, the implication, based on previous AMD-partnered games, is that Starfield will therefore not support similar rival upscalers like NVIDIA DLSS. And I really don't want this to be a and gamers are angry kind of story, <laughs> but, I, but I was struck by the ferocity of the backlash to this. Uh, people really like DLSS, apparently, um, and I do. I actually do concur that it is it is better than FSR. So there is an element of, I guess, looking at Bethesda and thinking, are you really taking sponsorships to make your game just not quite as good as it could be? Uh, that being said, the thing about DLSS is that it only works on certain NVIDIA RTX graphics cards, whereas FSR works with pretty much any halfway modern graphics card. So. Uh, it's probably fine. Um, FSR is decent nowadays. 
probably don't need to boy boycott it or get mad. I'd say. I think it's yeah. <laughs> Please peace. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a call you know, for like reason. A... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is like um. So if the rodeo came to town, uh, and despite yes. a lot of cowboy adjacent leisure events previously had held in the town, <laughs> despite them having concession stands that sold both a more expensive but tastier brand of beans and a slightly worse but more easily available brand of beans. Uh, the cheaper bean brand had struck a deal with the rodeo organizers so that only the cheap beans would be available. So all the cowboys in attendance can ultimately enjoy some beans, um, mm. which is why it's not worth the cowboys breaking out in riot. But it, it, it would have been nice to have the choice of beans. You know? Once again, I'm genuinely <laughs> staggered by how much these stories make more sense to me once you've been to them. They really do. Yeah, I want I want James to to switch to a beans focus on the website like, <laughs> as often as possible. <laughs> what you want to do is okay, here's an actual ethical use of Chat GPT. Just train it on hardware articles and then train it on cowboy articles, and 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 so habits. There's a button on the site so you can change any hardware article into beans mode. If you need to, to understand <laughs> it through that, no, I, I think that's, James. That's replacing just that's a... replacing my my labour as a yeah. as a source yeah, of actually, cowboy yeah, beans. Yeah. <laughs> I want your no, you beans just, writing. On every hardware article, you should just have a little beans box out uh, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this would have been magical in the days of print magazines because you could have had. Like, I could have had like a photo shoot tin of yeah. beans with the label explaining it in beans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could have expensed like a cowboy outfit and uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and a notably unbranded tin of beans for the, yeah. for, the header, for the header image for my regular column. Yeah. I, I want. Oh, to sleep for I a chance the, to dream. I want the beans box out. I want. <laughs> <I'll>, I... <laughs> Oh, no, I'm endorsing this. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> On air, in front of everyone. <laughs> Buy a cowboy outfit. <laughs> I'll give you a tenner, just, just out of support. <laughs> oh. Have I ever have I shared my worry about upscalers being used in place of actually good performance optimization? I'd, you touched on no. it, but I'm interested to hear more. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if this is ever actually the case. So it, it might just be like a conspiracy theory. But um, I do sometimes wonder if this mindset develops, um, especially after playing stuff like Redfall, uh, where a person making a game might think, "Well, it runs like Dog, but if you turn upscaling on, it runs a little less like Dog," which is mm. true in many cases, but also kind of sucks the fun out of them. I like it best when upscalers are something optional that you can flick on to make a smooth mm. running game go even faster like pressing the nitrous oxide button in vin diesel's fast and furious <laughs> car rather, <laughs> rather than dlss or fsr being like the entire engine block make it a nice to have rather than a need to have yeah yeah mm. well thank you james yeah that was and gamers so... are mad <laughs> <laughs> K 
gamers are always mad. Let's move on to the Tower of Jocularity. Nate, how are things? Hello. So, I've been a bit uh, poorly over the last couple of days, so uh, my voice is a little bit husky today, and I thought I would use that as an excuse to do something that I don't like to do very often, uh, which is a David Attenborough impersonation. And I think that's, that's bordering on blasphemy for me, but... I think today's the time, uh, okay. because I've been, as I say, obsessed with basically role-playing my own dinosaur nature documentary, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see how recognisable other games will be if I describe them to you. Do you know that <gasps> feeling you get? I One of my little moments of smugness in life is knowing the name of an animal before David Attenborough says it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'm challenging you to see if you can do the same thing with these narrations of uh, of famous that's, games or figures in gaming, okay? That's okay. such a neat thing. <laughs> just, getting one, just getting one up over David Attenborough. Yeah. On, on Attenborough. No. He's, he's a pop scientist. Show him. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. This is the commander. A towering figure... Of steel, he wades up onto the beach where he begins to construct a series of solar power plants and wind turbines from a stream of green pixels. For now, things are peaceful, but soon the colony will begin to grow vast chugging tanks and aeroplanes and hundreds of other units besides. Oh, 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 God. The scenery here is beautiful with wonderfully rendered dead trees, rocks, and melancholy tunes. After this brief season of growth, however, he will face total annihilation. Oh, it's the game Total Annihilation from 1997. I was I was I was thinking I couldn't I kept thinking like Titan. I couldn't I couldn't I knew I knew it, but I couldn't say it. To be fair, I fucked that one because I forgot the name of the baddie. (laughs) Let's let's try an easy one, okay. Okay. Despite his diminutive size, his bright orange carapace, and the curved length of steel he uses as a weapon, allows this small predator to take on foes many times his size. Weird squid turkey-looking fuckers who live in the sewers... And even a giant baby from space are no match for this silent hunter. Half-Life. That's correct. Yeah. Very good. I got, I got that from the weird baby. <laughs> <laughs> Although these two animals are more familiar to us from their habits of eating scraps in suburban British gardens, here they have a much more dramatic purpose in this lurid green landscape we can see them popping the shells of hostile cyborgs to release the rabbits birds and pretty ducklings imprisoned inside by a large man Um, with a fixation on eggs oh sonic yes sonic and tails because they've both been... Oh, been yes. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair, fair. I only got that from the Eggman. 
throughout the long winter and the spring that follows, this venerable apex predator collects news and opinions on video games before disgorging them all at once on stage at the height of the summer. Jeff Keighley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really go on after that. <laughs> this is kind of a, uh, a proof of concept, but thank you for playing. <laughs> that was very good. I, imagine if we ever got Jeff Keighley on the show. <laughs> I would immediately have to resign from it in disgrace. <laughs> Do you remember the time oh. I, I, I wrote that really weird article about him after the Summer of Games thing, and then he liked it on Twitter, and I was embarrassed for about two yes. weeks. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. Is that the one about trading his face? <laughs> yes, oh, yes yeah. it was. I stand <laughs> yeah. by it. And we still, every, every year or so, we get a new Jeff Keighley emote in the RPS Slack <laughs> that we use. It's just a little cut out of his face, looking delighted. But we update it for the new summer of games. <laughs> so that is just about it for this week's episode of the Electronic Wireless Show. But all that remains now is to do some recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, James, what are you recommending this week? Uh, I'm recommending Super Superficial if you are a purveyor of fine t-shirts that gets uh, designs from collaborations with independent artists. Uh, they can be cute or funny or abstract, uh, but they're all t-shirt appropriate, I feel. Uh, and the one I bought, which is of a man with a giant cloud for a head, is printed on a very high-quality, pre-shrunk mm. cotton shirt that fits really well. Uh, nice. I, went, I, went to, I went to their... Um, ye olde brick and mortar shop in london but they do have a website uh just super super superficial.com uh where you can see all the current designs oh that sounded like an actual advert didn't it i'm sorry <laughs> no, that was in, that was impressive you could sell shirts that was very good yeah you should and if you were going to uh, describe the shirt as uh some sort of metaphor involving cowboys <laughs> no lovely um this week, I was torn this week. I don't know, like, I've been consuming much media this week. I'm I'm here for whatever, always. Um, I think I'm going to recommend The Righteous Gemstones. The first series is a couple of years old now, but it's about a family of extremely wealthy televangelists who were um, extremely dysfunctional. The Patriarch is played by John Goodman, um, and he's very good, and he's got three... Uh, large adult children who are just uh, completely incapable um, and the first series sort of revolves around the, his eldest son uh, being blackmailed because someone has a video of him doing cocaine with uh, sex workers in a hotel room uh, which is obviously not great it's very funny uh, it's very weird but um, it's good in that like the they are very sincere in their faith they're not grifters in that sense. Like they do really believe that, you know, they believe in God and Jesus and they believe that what they're doing is the right thing, but they are also incredibly wealthy and kind of don't Tentally understand yeah. 
they're not really corrupt. They're just they just are super wealthy, and they have done that off the back of their church, and they kind of don't understand why that's wrong. Um, it sounds kind of nuanced. Yeah, it's really it's weird because they're awful people, but you do sort of root for them in a weird way. No, I love stuff that manages that. That sounds cool. Yeah, it is very cool. It's um, the cast is really good, uh, and I am partway through the second series now, uh, and it's it's very funny as well. In this in the second series, the youngest son has a god squad of like huge muscle men, and uh, and he calls them muscle men, but uh, his dad John Goodman keeps calling them muscular boys. Which is really <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So I'm gonna recommend the Wretched Gemstones. Uh, Nate, what are you recommending this week? So this is um, a YouTube channel which I actually got into, fell in a big hole with yesterday. Um, it's got an incredibly lacklustre title, which is just Masaru.9268. Um, so M-A-S-A-R-U dot 9268. Uh, and it's, well, the channel description says, you can learn more about the sea by watching this channel. <laughs> and... I don't think there is a better textbook definition of malicious compliance uh, in all the world than this channel and that statement. Um, it is an incredibly enthusiastic and likable Japanese man who just acquires like grotesque beasts um, from the depths of the sea and, and then like just ecstatically fillets them on camera. And if you have any interest oh God. Um, in either like Japanese cooking or anatomy, this channel has it all. Um, <laughs> I saw one yesterday where someone had been... The, the, the law in Japan changed and people couldn't uh, keep alligators as pets anymore. And so he acquired a £300 alligator um, and, 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 yeah, just, just dismantled it. And it was a really, like, a great way to learn about reptile anatomy if you've got a really fucking strong stomach. Um, the guy seems a really nice dude and a great cook um, and he just has an enthusiasm that I personally really vibe with so you know if if you can handle some monkfish guts I really do recommend the channel um, he's starting up his own fish processing factory at the moment and just seems incredibly earnest about it um, just a real dude Oh, that's lovely. Well, lovely, maybe not the word, but thank you, Nate. It sure is a, thank it sure is a YouTube channel. It sure is a YouTube channel. Uh, and thank you, listener, for joining us for this season two, episode 22 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. You can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, for who knows how long, and TikTok by searching for Rock Paper Shotgun. You can join the Discord, the link's in the show notes, where you can hang out with cool people and talk about games and play games and talk about the podcast and our sister podcast in discovery who we are not better about <laughs> <laughs> yeah liam <laughs> yeah liam who's editing this um for all your pc gaming needs just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com but for now uh it is goodbye for me again for another two weeks because i was away for work the last two weeks and now i'm away on holiday the next two weeks <laughs> good to see you mate um, yeah, I'll check it again in another month, probably. <laughs> so it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell, for a, another extended period. And it's goodbye from Nate and James. Strength Good. to your arm and health to your herd. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>